Hello, welcome to the Opinionistics. I'm your host, John Maloney. Uh, for this episode, don't have any co-hosts because of reasons, as always. Either way. So, introducing from Chile and/or Canada, currently in the U.S., Oscar Joffrey. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for having me today. You're welcome. So, Oscar, what is it you do for a living? Oh, well, what do I do? Well, I'm a I'm a professional entrepreneur. How's that? Um, yeah, I've, I've been an entrepreneur now going on three decades. Can't believe how time flies. And uh, the, the, the journey of the entrepreneur, as you all know, it's, it's one that has many, many obstacles and ups and downs. But, and what I'm currently working on today has been probably, it's been part of that journey since I started, which is everything looking to find ways to help and empowerment and make something bigger than where we were. You know, my previous company in 1999 was Babelfish. And why it's significant of that is that the only way people communicated on the internet was English. We all know the world is multilingual. So, and now I'm doing it for the private capital markets, helping companies being capital to be able to capital inefficiently and, uh, by empowering everyone that up until this point has been completely fragmented. So I've been busy. <laughs> All right, then. Sounds good. And how long you had this idea for? So um, I've been working with now with coaching and, and the, the private markets for the last 14 years. The, the last 25 years I've been working in the, in the capital markets in general, meaning working in the publicly traded world, seeing how money moves, how the capital raising journey and how, well, let's face it. I mean, how watching one group of uh, individuals in, in the world uh, increasing the wealth while the, the remaining part of us, uh, str- not struggling, but trying to so, um, But the journey that in now is about inclusion, getting everything, um, how should I say, everybody equal, equal access. Yeah, pretty exciting. All right then, sounds good. What was life for you growing up? Wow. <laughs> okay, well, you said it. I'm pre- I was born in Chile. I'm one of those children uh, from the coup of 1973. I was uh, seven years old, so turning eight, uh, where, you know, I was taken away and uh, I didn't get to see him for at least another couple of years afterwards, but we did. And then uh, we ended up in Canada. Um, so it, I feel like I lost it about three, four years of my youth, but not, no regrets, none whatsoever. I mean, it's been, it's been a journey of continuous learning. Um, and so it's, it's been interesting. It was hard. It was hard at first. Nobody was ready for having immigrants uh, at, in the early 70s. It was very different for everybody, and um, that that became very difficult. That was number one. Number two, language. Um, that became the second uh, that um, you know I needed to deal with was learning the language. And by the time that happened, um, I don't know how it happened, but my life went by for a. Uh, I arrived in Canada when I was 10. Uh, I, I, you know, I didn't learn how to read or write until I was 18. 
19 years old. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not because I didn't want to learn or anything like that. It, it's just at that time in, in, in when I grew up in Canada, in, in particular in Western Canada, they weren't ready yet for, you know, the, uh, you know, with immigrants coming in and, and, but, you know, I came at the right time and people go, what do you mean? Well, I came at the right time because I was at the right age where uh, the internet, the computer industry kicked in and there was, there was, I had the world's largest library to learn. And that's my journey. The rest has just been entrepreneurship. Uh, the last company I ever worked for was in uh, 1989, uh, which was a, you know, that it just goes to show you how far I've been in this journey. And, but it's been a journey of learning lots of ups and downs, not always getting it right, sometimes being arrogant. Uh, and you try to make sure that uh, you balance yourself out as you keep doing. So overall, I'm happy and I, I enjoy what I do. I have a beautiful family that supports what I do. And um, I, I'm creating a new generation of of, of myself with my family and, and living in, you know, in, the, in this great country that we're, we're, we're in today. So it's fantastic. Fantastic. Where do you see yourself 20 years from now? 20 years from now. So for me, 20 years from now will be, depending where we're going with AI and blockchain and everything else, it's going to be, I'm still going to be part of this. I, I can't let it go. I, I have colleagues that have already left the, the sector. Uh, the way I see myself is I'm going to be probably working uh, maybe on another uh, a startup company again. Even I'll be in my, by then I'll be in my 70s. And people go, you're so, yes, because it's in my blood. I love creating innovation. I love, it'll be a different type of innovation then. You know what I mean? It won't be the same one we're doing today. Um, and people go, well, you know, you'll, you'll be too old. You're never too old when your brain is ticking. And I have one man that I need to, you know, to mention, or actually a couple of them. One is William Demon. He was the, the, the chairman of Brookfield Properties, one of the world leaders in corporate governance in Canada and the United States. You know, the man was uh, an active director teaching people how to be ethical directors right up into his mid 1990s, uh, his 90s. And the other one is Dr. Manny Malafana, who today at 89 years old, 89, is still doing another startup. This is the man that co-invented the pacemaker. This is the man that invent, uh, uh, the, the entrepreneur who invented uh, St. Jude's. I mean, he's saving lives. So when the mind is ticking, you just keep evolving. And not that you're looking for a problem to solve, it's just that as we keep evolving as a as a uh, as human beings or sectors or anything, things emerge. I mean, 40, 50 years ago, we could have talked about artificial intelligence and blockchain, but in real life practice, it wasn't there. Now it is, and people's ideas are coming up. Well, what's going to happen 10, 20 years from now when we got robotics, we got AI, we got blockchain, more innovation, not fear, not fear that that's not going to be for me or for most people. You shouldn't fear. You, you should find a way to embrace it and, and moving forward. Okay, then. Sounds fantastic. And 
when you do start another startup, what 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 kind of what ideas do you have for your new for your next startup? Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting when when I did my my fourth my fifth startup, I was really scared. I'll never forget this day. It was 2003. I, you know, I was done with Babelfish. It was gone. And I'm going, oh, my God, what am I going to do next? You know, so where, so it's like when you're driving and you're looking for a gas station and you can never find it. <laughs> or you're looking for that bang. And what I've learned uh, from since then is that the more I tried to look for an idea on a startup, the harder it was. And what I've learned now is that I need to pay attention to signals that every day I'm being presented. So the fortunate thing that I have now with the journey that I've been in with uh, the company that I have today is that I've been able to spring it already into seven other companies um, that years ago I wouldn't have been able to do that. But now I'm able to because I'm able to see that there's an opportunity I'm able to immediately create a business case to see if there's a market for it um, and then proceed. So this has allowed me and everybody I work with the ability to take them, but I'm not looking for them. And, it, and it's, I know that sounds really weird. I'm not looking for them. And it's not like they just fall in my lap. It's sort of like you're listening to the news, you're reading an article, you read a book, you listen to a conversation, you attend an event, and all of a sudden things start clicking together and you go, I think this is where, and then you begin your journey, and and that's what's worked for me. I know that's not for everyone, but that's how it's worked for me predominantly till now, and I'm excited about it because I don't have to worry about, oh my God, what will I do next? Um, I'm definitely not retiring. You know, I, I laugh about that. I don't golf. Yeah. I, I'll drive myself nuts because the game is so slow, and I don't drink beer. So... <laughs> So I really don't have a lot to contribute in the golf course uh, from that perspective. But the, 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 the innovation ideas just spring naturally when you surround yourself with people and minds and all that, that constantly spurring opportunities, ideas and stuff like that. So it's exciting. Fabulous. Out of all the startups you have created... Which, which one do you enjoyed working more on? That's a great question. I've been asked this before. And, you know, there, when I did Babelfish, it, 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 it was a long time before until now that I would say that that was, the, that was the most joy I had. Why? Because I brought in 400 people together from all different parts of the world to work together with a common goal. And, and, and this is back in 1999 when... There was no venture capital, at least in the regions we lived in. So we literally had to work for free for the two and a half, three years. And that was everybody, heart and soul, all in. And I learned a lot about people, but there was, you know, after capital came in, it, it kind of, you know, like anything, you put money in and things start blowing up. So where I'm at today, I'm really enjoying. So why am I enjoying the ride with Corkinix and, and Corchain? Because COVID-19 brought something inside of me that I, I didn't realize I had. And it, it just emerged out of it. We went from a company of less than 15 people to a company of 60, relatively quick in a year and a half or so. And we're still growing. 
and we have an entire distributed team in eight, nine different countries. And it's exciting. It's tough. I'm not saying it's easy. You got language and all that. But I'm an immigrant, so I grew up with tough. I already grew up with having a very sensitive ear to accents and all that. So I'm not ignorant. I don't have any of the biases towards culture or anything. In fact, it's, it's allowed everybody the ability to learn uh, each other's culture. We have people from Brazil, Malaysia, St. Lucia, Dominican Republic, India, UAE, Canada, the United States. And they're not even centralized in the region. So bringing all that to So I'm really having a lot of fun right now. It's enjoyable. People get to work from their home. Uh, they get to participate. And you get to build a billion-dollar company in a very different way. Now, this is not for everyone. So anybody listening, this is not something you can just, hey, Oscar, how did you do it? And I'll go, no, you, it's one, you got to believe that it'll work for you. Number one. Number two, you have to put in the extra effort of communicating. This is not where the CEO goes away on, you know, at five o'clock and doesn't talk to anybody during the day. You literally have to be available for everyone and you got to enjoy it. You can't see it as anything more than, wow, I'm building something. And where I'm at now, I'm watching the next phase. What's happening now is we're making the next leaders in our own company happen. And they're now seeing how they can do it themselves distributed. And this is, an, this is exciting. This is the 21st century workforce that we have uh, built at our company. All right then, what's the best way to st stay motivated? You've got to love what you do. You've got to love it 100%. Uh, because if it's purely money, no, it's, 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 it's not going to be enough. You've got to love what you do. You've got to, you've got to have a great family. Um, You've you got to have a wonderful wife, children, uh, parents, um, you know, the, everybody. You've got to get everybody. You've got to sell it to them first because the journey is not make a buck quickly and get out. Um, and, but you have to love it. You have to, and you have to love it for all the right reasons because on the good times, it's easy to love something. Oh, it's great. Fantastic. But when the minute it gets hard, that's when the real test comes in. That's when you either shine or you, 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 you foil, you fold and boom, you're out the door. And, uh, that's the one advice I give to everybody that always ask me, Oscar, what book do you read? I don't have a book for you. My journey is different. Every entrepreneur has their own journey. But if you don't love what you do and you truly love it, how could you ever enjoy the, the gains from it to making a difference in whatever? Yes, the financial components are going to come. Believe me, they're always there. They're not going to go away. But if you don't have all the other parts to it, how could you enjoy you know, waking up at 5 in the morning or going to bed at 3, 4 in the morning and waking up with ideas every day and knowing that everybody around you is just excited about about it as you are and yeah that's that's the key happiness great couldn't agree more if, you, if there was a song for every time you entered the room what song would that be if i had a song we are the champions we are oh. the champions <laughs> yeah that's yeah of course i mean it's you gotta you gotta think you're a winner you and a winner doesn't necessarily always mean, you know, what we read is number one. You're just going to be a winner inside. You got to know that, you know, you're, you're doing right by everyone. 
the good times and the bad times. You, that's a winner. You balance everything out. You you enjoy it. Um, so that in my mind, I'm I listen to that and I hear it and I yeah I get up in the morning and I'm ready to go and you know making other champions and making other champions in other regions in the world that never even had that opportunity to feel like a champion. And that is even more exuberant than anything else. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Fabulous. What's your favorite season? My favorite season. So with my wife and kids is skiing. It's so exciting right now that, um, you know, I have a, Two and a half year old, we taught him how to ski. I got an eight, eight and a half year old. He's learned how to ski. We're all skiing together, snow, winter. There's just something. I know people go, oh my God, you like the cold. It's not liking the cold. It's just that it, it offers a different way of enjoying the outdoors. And uh, it's exciting. There's so many things to do. You know, you can go skiing, you can go snowboarding, tobogganing, skating. Um, it's not just limited to one. So it's growing up in Canada has made me love that, especially when I come from a company, a country like Chile, where there, there is the, every day is summer, right? There is no winter. Every day is summer. So it's exciting. Mm. All right, then. What should they teach in high school, but they don't? What should they teach in high school and they don't? Do you know the the... Well, whether it's high school and college, they don't teach people how to think. They need to teach them how to think and be confident in, in their ability to have an opinion. And I think that, because if you give them that at its core, you know, I had it inside. I, I didn't have the education that others did, but I had it inside me that I wanted to do this. And I, it drove me. So imagine that having that confidence that that someone else provides you. So if you're not getting it at home, but your teacher's giving it to you, giving you that layer of confidence that inspires you to create something or do something with your life that is going to make a difference. So um, I think in most cases, schools are there to grade people from one to 10. And grading doesn't work anymore. Grading might have been good for the 40s, 50s, and 60s, 70s, and all that, but it's done. Why? Because we are now in the era of, of people who, who can think. We need people who can come up with problem solvents. We're moving into a very different um, you know, part of our history within planet Earth. We need people to solve real problems, our population. We need people to solve real problems with you know, what's going to happen with emissions and, and all that. And you can't do that when you have teachers where are grinding our children to say, okay, no, the world is only square or rectangular, or, you know, I'm just giving this an example. I'm not suggesting they do that, but restricting that mindset instead of encouraging a different way of looking at things, because what have we learned in that technological era? What we've learned in technological era is that innovation came from individuals who were able to open their minds in ways that most of us couldn't even comprehend. And because of their ability to do that, they took us in way places where, look at us, we're enjoying the internet. Look at you and I, we're doing a digital 
interview using technology so tiny that we can't even see it with the eye. You, you need technology once again to see its power. And we take that for granted. Now we need people to take us to the next stage. And those problems, we, we need people thinking about the problems and coming up with solutions. And for that, you need to train them early on to, there isn't just this view. It could be this, this, and that. And that's how we move and progress by helping our, our, our children of the future. All right. Fabulous. How many countries have you been to? Oh, I've been to almost 20, yeah, 20 plus countries around the world. I've been to Asia, uh, Europe, of course, uh, South America, North America. I, I love the world. I, my, my one thing that I would like one day is to see the world the way only a few have been able to see it in, and that is to see it from, from above the clouds to see so we can all understand how really small we all are so we can learn to work together better. Um, but um, it's, I think for anybody out there today, go take a chance. Maybe you've never left your city. Leave the city, go to a state. If you haven't left the state, if you left the state, go to a country. And then from one and you'll get the bug. And what you're going to see is that that is your mind to opportunities and and the way you see the world and the way the world works. Because everywhere in the world is it's, it's slightly the same big difference. And it's, it's pretty amazing. All right, then. How did you spend your last birthday? Well, because of COVID, my last birthday, uh, the, the, just like the last few, I spent with my beautiful family um, where it matters most. Uh, uh, at home, enjoying... Uh, the, the company and, and more importantly, just being thankful that we are all healthy and we're all here and we continue to uh, build our yeah, bigger um, during COVID. So now uh, it's, uh, it continues. So that was a great birthday that continues to, uh, to this day. And as, it, as it's already knocking on my door very soon again. Cool. Cool. When things break, do you prefer to fix them or replace them? When things break, I prefer to fix them. There are times when uh, replacing them, it doesn't teach you anything. It just, you walk away. And this is a, this is a great lesson, as you asked me. Enjoy work. And then when everything is good, you enjoy it, you're happy. When something bad happens, what do you do? You crumple and you fold. Well, that's when it breaks. What are you going to do? You got to, you're the, you're the person that comes in and fixes it. And you teach people uh, to, to understand how the pieces came together so they can then fix it. And next thing you know, you're not getting any more broken pieces anymore. But if you keep replacing, you're going to keep having broken pieces ongoing, ongoing. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's really interesting when people start looking at it this way, um, in particular with situations it's too easy it's like we're like that disposable generation where we don't want this we get rid of it some things okay we understand but the vast majority of things i think people are just applying it too openly right now and but if they just took the time things can be solved going forward nice i appreciate it what improved your life quality so much you wish you did it sooner 
you know, because I'm enjoying this phase where we're at right now, I've asked myself this question. Why didn't I build my previous company distributed this way? And, and I've, you know, I've written it down and I, I, and it, and it couldn't happen. So the way I'm working and the way we're building this company, it couldn't have happened any sooner. And why? Because there were other pieces to the puzzle that brought it all together. You and I couldn't have predicted COVID. We saw the news. We thought it was just going to be like a mild cold. And that's what, you know, some of us read. But the longer the thing sat there, I'm adjusted to the way our life was going to be. What was that? I don't do phone calls anymore. All my meetings are video calls. So that was an interesting, you know, instant transformation. Prior to that, we had an office. We Everybody came into the office. Coming in at 8 a.m. and they left at 5 a.m. The software developers would be, you know, kind of tired coming in. Now, they come in at the time that they, they're awake and they get going. Sometimes work later, earlier. The important thing is what matters is getting things done. So I don't know. Could I? I don't think so. Because, would have, because we would have had the centralization of being working in an office. You would have treated everybody else that wasn't in an office as a remote worker. And that terminology itself is negative. That's number one. Number two, not only is it negative uh, as a terminology, the the way you view people that work with you like that as it's a, as an outsource. And today, that's not the way we view our team. They're our family. So to give you some examples of that, you know, when we came up with an insurance program for the team, we, you know, it, it isn't easy when you have members in nine different countries. Each, we needed to make sure that everybody around the world would be given the same thing that people in U.S. and Canada and so on would be given. We wanted to make sure that we were all being treated equally. No different than if we were in an office. You wouldn't have been brought in a program unless you made everybody happy. It's not always easy. There's a lot, some compromising, but we did it. And people were, how on earth did you do that? Because everybody in every country took the responsibility to assist working together and so that wouldn't have happened in before and i wouldn't have we wouldn't have seen the signs and you know now that we're getting out of we're out of covid not 100 percent, but we're out people ask well, you must be going back to the office i go no in fact our teams are they're 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 enjoying their lives they're they're spending more time with their children they're it makes it difficult sometimes for us to hire very young people who need that environment. And we'll get there as we get bigger. But for now, you know, it's, uh, it's probably one of, the, one of the greatest things that I think that companies that like ours can really take advantage and enjoy is that we can build something like this and it becomes a win. But we couldn't have seen it and we couldn't have planned for it. You either embraced it or you didn't. And if you embraced it, here we are. And I'm telling you, it's working. Um, and for those that it's not working, I, I, I respect that. This is not an imposing my views or anyone. Um, but for our company, it works. Because right from where I'm standing, as the co-founder and president and CEO of the company, roll the way down, I make sure that everybody understands the value of what we build, why we're doing this, and how we're going to treat everyone. And, you know, that's how I maintain being happy and, and satisfied with what I'm doing. All right, then. Very good.
And that is all we have for this episode. It was great having you on, Oscar, talking about many of your startup companies, your three decades of experience, and a lot of other things. It's been great. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. I really thank you for asking the hard questions. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And until next time, stay opinionated.